0: Good? Okay. Well, (laughs) I want to go back to this girl, and I want to talk to you young people or you old people, and I want to... You guys were there when I was making this decision, and it wasn't an easy decision. I think it's really easy to think of all the things you're going to give up, the ways that it's going to be hard, the areas where you might have to sacrifice, and I'm not just talking about going to a different country. Maybe you have a decision in your life that Service is, gonna, service is almost always going to call you to give something up. And I'm going to tell you people that are maybe even feel ashamed that you have some sort of resignation, that there's something scary about that, that you feel like you have to sacrifice, that that's okay, that's part of the journey, but that everything that you are willing to sacrifice at the foot of the cross, whether it's your youth, your singleness, whether it's your comfortableness, whatever it may be, that it's worth it in the eternal perspective. That you might not see it here, you might not see it here on earth. I'm not gonna say it's gonna turn out, but for the sake of the cross, it's worth it. So if that is something that you're thinking about, if you're wondering if you should take that step, I'm encouraging you to do that. And this girl was young, naive, had no idea what was coming for her, but. That's a really good thing. I think I would have just gotten back on a plane had I known. Um, And honestly, it's really hard for me to go back, even when I was trying to prepare this and talk about the early years. I think when the church split happened, it felt like a lot of that work just, like, crumbled. And Psalm 127 kept coming up in my mind. That's that that verse that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors is in vain. And that was a lot lot of years of labor there, a lot of years. And I think these years were definitely high volume, high volume ministry. It was every day, all day, nonstop, hundreds of people. And I learned a lot through this. I learned that I was going to survive in this transition, that um, I learned how to deal with all sorts of people. I couldn't speak the language at that time. There was no turning it off. I learned how to live in a different country. I started building a community and I learned how to, one of the hard lessons there early on was saying goodbye. Yahya, who was this um, young boy, he my first maybe year there, him and his brothers practically lived with me. I took care of them. I made them dinner. I did their homework with them. I did everything for them. And then one day, they were gone. And just learning to say goodbye, to say the Lord's going to bring new people, the seeds have been planted, and what that can be was definitely really hard. But like I said, in this early stages... Um, I dug roots. God showed me that He was going to be enough when I thought the challenges were insurmountable. I didn't know that they would get harder, but I, you know, it's one thing at a time. And I think these were my Mary and Martha years. I kept going back to that story over and over again. And um, how, okay, now I'm going to get it backwards. Martha was the one that was working in the house. And, and God called her out, Jesus called her out and said, because her sister was mad at her, or wait, what? She was mad at her sister. I know the story. <laughs> She's mad at her sister because she was working so hard. And I definitely was Martha. And you kind of, when you're Martha, you don't want to hear that you're working and you need to, you know, focus, focus, focus. And I think those were, God was really working in, and, in me in those years. And um, a big thing is that these are all pictures from my early years, and these were all super important relationships that developed. God put people in my life that would be there through the whole process, that would come back over and over and over again. And so a lot of these, some of these, I'm not going to say a lot, some of these people came to Christ. And I remember there was a day where I was just so, so discouraged. If all of this, if I'm here... What happened? And the week before, one of these girls in the picture got baptized. And this man came. And he, had, he didn't really know me. And he said, if nothing else, if you walk away and have nothing else to show, but this one girl got baptized and you were able to be part of it, was it worth it? Was it worth it for the one person giving all of that up? And you have to keep coming back to say the answer is yes. And I'm sorry, I know this is going to be really emotional the whole time. This is a little bit of processing for me as well. But you guys have been around, you know. (laughs) So God has been faithful in all of that, above and beyond. And there has been a lot of hard things since the beginning. This is a video of one of the days that I stood in the gas line for, this is hundreds of cars. 12 hours, it was 100 degrees out. 12 hours I waited for gas yes and didn't get any. And I think that we can like hyper focus on all these really hard moments and thank you. And I talk about the hard, hard moments because, you know, they existed. These crazy stories that I just start feeling like, okay, I can't do them justice, I can't explain them well enough. Um, they're the things that come up when you talk, but also so much of my life was just ordinary, and yeah, it was ordinary in a pressure cooker, but, you know, we still woke up every day and brushed our teeth, we still drank coffee every morning when we could, you know, when we had it, but it was filled with a lot of normal mundane moments, which means it was filled with a lot of normal mundane um, grace, like, there, each morning, there was mercy, there was a chance to, you know, try again. There was forgiveness. There was all these things that we take for granted. And during that time, I lived in four different apartments. Maybe not that normal for four years, but it it, it went in strides. I owned a dog. I ate a lot of ice cream. But I also ate a lot of normal, boring things like eggs and toast and... Not toast, actually. Pancakes and oatmeal, just... I'm trying to stress that it was just a lot of time where you're just doing, you're waking up for your job and doing what you have each day mixed in with all of the other stuff. And I spent a lot of quiet evenings with families. This was really important to me. So from here on, you're going to see a switch to the last year or so, where my my work went from really high volume to really just focused. And so we we'll all the same people in all the pictures. And we spent a lot of quiet evenings together and a lot of just talking, talked about everything and eating good food and eating leftovers. And I've come to the realization that everybody needs leftovers people in their lives, people that you can go to their house, and they'll just serve you what they have in your, their fridge and just talk to you about their day And be able to share in the trials and the victories of life. And this is how we got to be together. So this was really important. And um, if a family eats on the floor with you, that means, you know, they're comfortable with you. So this was really important for me. Um, We also spent a lot of time in the car. You guys were so generous and helped helped me raise funds to get this car. And she was... She had her moments, but she got us through a lot. And we, uh, sp- we I spent, I spent, spent. This is a new thing for me where I'm trying to adjust that this is no longer my identity. I don't live there anymore. I don't, I'm not this missionary anymore. And all these things. So it's, it's, this transition's hard. So if I mess up on that, spend a lot of time in the car. Um, all these kids, they don't live close to each other. It's about an hour radius, and so you start out and work your way in. So this was a lot of good conversations, a lot of exhausting conversations. This girl, Zaza, who shows up in a lot of the pictures, she can have the same conversation for an hour straight, the same question. Are you coming to pick me up on Wednesday? Are you coming to pick me up on Wednesday? Are you coming to pick me up on Wednesday? So a lot of that in the car, but just a lot of time of prayer, driving with the windows down, getting these kids, growing with these kids in the car. So that was a huge blessing. Um, We did a lot of stuff like school pickups, doctor's appointments, I don't know why I keep saying we. I did a lot of stuff like school pickups, doctor's appointments, just uh, going for a ride, eating chips, we would have our Tuesday, Thursday, every Tuesday and Thursday, I would eat breakfast with my friend in her shop. She owned a shop downtown. So just becoming part of the local community. And this is not the type of breakfast we normally eat. Normally you just eat bread and herbs and olives and tea. This was a special occasion. That's why I have a picture of it. But this is, you know, my weakness, <laughs> bread. <laughs> so it shows up. and. Um, Just There was a lot of beauty in these moments. These are the moments that made it feel like this became my life. This became what I... These kids became the kids that I loved. In these just quiet background moments. And we ate a lot of food. Once again, this is not the food we always ate. But this is a lot of the (coughs) traditional food. Except for maybe the first picture. But all of the other ones. This is eating... These were a lot of the types of foods, a lot of stuffed grape leaves and eggplants and zucchini and whatever it is. Um, We just, a lot happens in the Arab culture around a table. And this got really hard once the economic crisis hit. I mean, speaking of hard things that happened, the country collapsed. We had an entire revolution. Um, People couldn't afford to put food on their table. So this became, this went from really normal to like, a splurge, these kind of meals. Um, they they probably cost ten dollars to put on the table, but this is a huge splurge. So, not how we normally eat. I had one family that I went every Thursday, and they could only eat, afford to eat meat once a week. And like after going for like a year, they told me we only eat meat on Thursday because you're coming. So there, it's just this wasn't how it always is. But you learn to economize things. Yet harder, one little step at a time. Um, And then I just, like I said, it switched to low-volume relational ministry, which meant a lot of conversation, and people began to see me as one of them, because I wasn't like living in a bubble, necessarily. I still didn't have power when everybody else didn't have power. I still ate, you know, sitting on the floor and basic stuff, but... So this opened the door for just people to be honest, and this opened the door for a lot of need because hurting people need help in a lot of directions. Desperate people, once they feel like they have something to latch on to, boy, do they latch on. And um, so this was both fulfilling and obviously exhausting in a way, it was going, going, going. But just to know that I could walk into somebody's house, these women, and then they would start talking about how they really feel. They didn't feel like they had to have a facade. And this opened a lot of doors to the gospel. This opened a lot of just good conversation. And, but the gospel is polarizing. The gospel isn't going to make people comfortable. It's not going to be enough to leave it where it is. So this open conversation... I mean, it did get me banned from some people's houses. So it had its good moments and its hard moments. I have one friend who, these are her kids, actually. Um, she has four kids. Well, The oldest one is in the picture, because he's 12, and he provides for the family, because her husband doesn't really work. He is a, he's just a really a horrible guy. So his, the 12-year-old provides for the family, and um, she was just in the just depths of depression when I first met her. And I think she still struggles every day. But just being in her house and watching her fight for joy, making the decision that she's going to fight for joy for the sake of her children, has been a real testimony. Because she <laughs> is in one of those situations where it's bad, and you just all you can say is, this is really bad. I'm, it's just not one of those, like, you can change her life in a day, you know, she has to make the decision that she is going to live for joy in this situation. So that has been a huge testimony through all of this. Um, And then, obviously, the biggest thing in my life is, has been the kids. Um, It's hard to explain the depth of how much that I've come to love each one of them. Um, You just, you see all of them, and they're a handful. That one up there, once drank transmission fluid in the back of my car. She calls me 27 times a day still. Dalshad thinks that he's the one that should meet justice on all the other kids, which means I've had to send him home for giving other kids black eyes. Uh, The one in the back, he is just so slow. You have to wait 10 minutes for him to walk the same distance as everybody else, and she bites a lot, and he screams a lot, but then you can also look at it and see that the one that's slow is the sweetest, kindest boy that you'll ever meet, and shut, he remembers everything. He's so smart. And Hamoudi, he showed you that he loves you in his own quiet ways, and Zaza, you'll never find anyone that wants to be your best friend more. And Malik... <laughs> She bites, but she's also really, really sweet, I think. <laughs> no, I love her. I love her, but we've had our moments. A lot of wrestling matches, the two of us. Um, so we've had a lot of challenges and a lot of victories together. Some days it feels like a lot more challenges, a lot of getting called in because so-and-so got acted, acted up in school or whatever it may be. But this was the forgotten demographic. It was a fight to convince even their parents, because their parents obviously loved them so much they didn't want to put them on anybody's, in anybody's hands. So to convince them to do this, and then through that to convince them to put them into schools and whatever thing, This was a fight to have these kids who very few people saw be seen. And what ended up creating, being created was something that I just couldn't have imagined. Like, these kids became best friends with each other. We, I would take them to each other's houses and they would just be so proud and they would talk about each other to their other friends and people. It just. And within the families too, the, their parents and stuff, this community was created. And I just don't know. You try to do something and. I had a lot of walls. A lot. Of, I think for all intents and purposes, I feel like I, you know, hit... I don't know the right way to explain it, but with the church split and everything that happened, it didn't turn out how I wanted to. But God was so gracious in it, and he filled the gaps beyond, and I know that he will continue to do so, that I can't be with these kids right now, but he will continue working through these families. And just there was a moment, like a week before I left, one of the kids showed me they knew how to read. And I literally started stopping, because I didn't think these kids would end up let, back in school, let and alone getting enough attention that they can read. And um, I think this video shows it. Oh, it's going to show that on the video first. One, two, oh. oh, dang it. Sorry. This is just us walking on the beach. This is our daily where we go every day. Then this way. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. So she's, she's reading it. She has a very bad speech in so it's not too clear, but um, that was a big moment. And she's, she's explaining what it means in Arabic. She says, you mean sit on a chair. So she knew what it was meant, and I was absolutely shocked. And so another thing that I've learned... This was all supposed to be things I've learned. I've not been very clear about that, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but this picture was taken in one what would turn out to be one of the hardest months of my life. Um, and this was also the month that I met my future husband. So God works in times and ways that we don't expect. And I think one thing that I have talked about a lot is that how God works beyond what we can ask or think or imagine. And I think that I learned that that can mean, it's more complex than just good things. God can put us through things that we couldn't imagine, but that he is there in the midst of them. He is working in them, and he can do beyond what what we can think or imagine. So that, obviously, this was a huge blessing. Um, this... Obviously, Alex was the number one blessing, but then second, Tyson. (laughs) Um, But I think it's important to note that God really taught me also how to be alone. Um, This has been a really um, lonely part of my life. I live alone. I do everything alone. I mean, I'm always around people because I make myself always be around people, but this this chapter was one and the reality of this and i'm not this is that once you start living in a context like this you start really feeling like you don't belong anywhere you're never going to really belong there and you always have these moments where the ground kind of falls out underneath you and you're like oh i don't i don't belong here and you come back and and you don't feel like you still belong in your original context where you're from And that is definitely seeps in. You have all these experiences and you're like, I I can't make people understand what I went through. And it's not because I I know everybody around me wants to understand exactly what I went through and empathize with me in the ways that I went through it. But it's just, they're just so unique. They're so crazy. They're so different. It's such a different context. And so... Learning that, learning that, our, that we have a God that walks through us, with us through that, that doesn't leave us alone, that when He does make us walk through that valley, He's walking there with us. When He does make us feel like it's just, you've never been more alone or isolated, that you're there, He's there with you. And it's like when He took Elijah on the mountaintop, and Elijah's like, I'm the only one. And, and God was there with him, and He showed him that He wasn't the only one, that there was others like them, Him. And I think there was a really distinct moment when He showed me that. And that when I was, it was in 2020, and they just shut down the borders. No one could go in or out, which I may have had no plans to leave, but once you know you cannot leave, and once you know no one can come in, you start to feel like everything is shrinking around you. And at that time, like, I, kept, I was saying, we were high volume. And we didn't stop being high volume, but we had no one to help us do it. And the, and I just felt like I was the only one left there and all that kind of stuff. And then I was on this Zoom prayer meeting um, that I, I think I only ever went that one time. And there was this other girl there on the meeting. I've never met her. I've never spoken to her ever, ever again or before. And she spoke. I didn't speak because I speak because I wasn't part of the group. And she said everything that I was feeling. She was in a different country, but she was in the exact same situation. And I just like God showed me that it's I'm not that alone. And we were able to like pray for each other and speak to each other in a way that you know perhaps no one else could do for each other at that time. So God is gracious in that way. And then I um just think that he's also shown me that faithfulness can look like small tiny steps and sometimes it can be so overwhelming you feel like you have to do all these big things that you have to change the world that you have to leave something behind and that doesn't always work out but he could still call you to be faithful to wake up every day to love the people around you to serve them even with this project with the kids it started with this kid And he hated it. Hated it. And we would go and he would scream the entire time and I would sit next to him and I would just talk to him. And I know you guys all know that I'm not a patient person. But God gave me grace. And I would just sit and he would scream and I would just talk and talk. And God showed me his kindness, I think, through him specifically. Because by the end... He would go everywhere there with me. He would follow me around. I'd take him on house visits, and he would cuddle up next to me and just be so sweet and talk to the families. It was not like that four years ago. And, because, and he was a hard battle fought, but it, sometimes the hardest battles fought are the ones that you end up loving the most. And so God showed me that not always the big things, we're not always going to achieve the big things, but that he's, He is there to achieve the big things. And he is there to change the lives and make the crazy things happen. But he's called us to those small and faithful moments. And sometimes it's so hard. Sometimes it's putting that one foot in front of the other, getting out of bed, moving forward. And it feels like the hardest thing we could possibly do. But he honors that. He is honored by that. And I'm really thankful for that. And I think my last thing that I just want to stress is, the before I left the first time, that my dad preaches around Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and he talked about how um, that verse, you know, the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper and not for evil, is so taken out of context. But yeah, it was written to this people in exile, and I think that a lot, in a lot of ways, these last four years, I felt like a sort of exile, but that's not a bad thing because we're all called to be exiles. You see in First Peter that the, he calls them exiles over and over and over again. And yes, they are exiles, but we are God's people now and we are living in this world as exiles. So to feel it and this exponential sense of being in this place. And in that chapter it calls to pray for the people that you're amongst because in your welfare there will be their welfare. And I think I've really clung to this in this season because it, always, it hasn't always felt like the plans were to prosper, but that is the truth, that is the reality, that God is working. God is going to prosper his people in that place, for despite of or because of the people there. And he is his name is going to be glorified, and you guys have been a part of that. You guys have shown me that. You guys have walked with me every step of the way. You guys have prayed for me. You guys have just been so instrumental. And like I said, that I will never be able to show how grateful I am to you guys. How just I wish I could peel back and just show you everything that happened, that everything that you were a part of, everything that. You made possible the the normal mundane moments and the crazy big ones because there is just so much beauty in all of that. I was able to just witness God and His beauty and His grace in ways that I just wish that I had the ability to show you guys now. But I am thankful for you guys, and I am thankful for you guys in this new transition step. This is leaving was not easy. And this new step of living life is not, I don't want to say it's not easy, but it's its a transition. And knowing that you guys are praying for me, are with me in this, is just such a blessing that I'm so thankful for. So, for the last time for now, <laughs> I really appreciate you guys listening to me talk about all of this, You not do any of it justice, but to be able to share with you guys all the stuff that's happened.
1: You guys have any questions? The last picture that she just took out of the little two kids dressed up, is they dressed up for your last they time together, up. the last outing, so they all dressed up to do. The, They didn't really realize what they were doing, but their parents dressed them up I think so is ideal, but that but probably not. Any questions, any? Alright, so that's great. Father Heaven, thank you for the fact that you are present everywhere. Thank you that you are a God of big things and little things. Thank you that you speak through your word in every language. We thank you for the ability that you gave Tini to spend these years ministering tired. We pray for the things that she left behind, the people she left behind, the seeds that were left behind. We pray that the others would come and water it, because we know that you are the one that, that will harvest at the end. We pray that you be with her in this time of transition, of finding yourself here. We pray that you bless her and help her to... Have our eyes upon your son, who is her strength. We pray you dismiss us your blessings tonight, we to pray bring us back into your house in your day. We might worship you for asking Jesus' name.